0: When we talk about consent i think the first thing that often comes to mind is sexual consent or like lack of consent which is rape like how do we back it out like like we place so much pressure on these like big moments like how can you expect that anyone is actually going to actively ask for consent or expect that their answer is going to be respected when we absolutely do not have a culture of consent that extends outside of the bedroom.
1: Hello and welcome to the Inspired Astrology Podcast with Lauren K. Hickman. Coming to you live from my closet on Tuesday, March 16th, 2021. Um, I just did a 20-minute recording and realized that my Bluetooth speaker was hooked up to my headphones downstairs, so this is recording number two. (laughs) Of course, all the Neptune energy, all the Pisces energy, that was classic move for me right there. Anyway, uh, so Mercury moved into Pisces this week, so we have a lot of planetary movement in that energy right now. Uh, We have the beautiful new moon on Saturday, and I just have to give a little shout out to Bethany Argenbright, who was our guest just a couple weeks back. She was very pregnant at the time of our interview on the podcast, and she gave birth to her baby Wally Rose Fisher on Saturday saturday morning march 13th so that was a new moon baby and i just want to send her and jeff lots of love lots of blessings for this new little creature little being that they brought into the world women are amazing and i also want to give some shout outs to all of the support love and outreach i received last week um You know, I I talk a lot here on boundaries, um, but I also have to honor bravery and that there is a lot of strength in sharing your story, your experience with others to help support them on their path. So thank you to Heather at Kin for sending me some bagel and coffee money. You're so sweet. And to Nia and Katie for hooking me up some Grubhub bucks so I could buy myself a celebratory pizza after I got my test results back. So I had um, a breast biopsy that turned into about three breast biopsies last week. It was a weird day. I don't wanna get into the, the details of it, but you know, certainly our minds can take us to very dark places when we don't have any footing to step on. And I am so grateful for my meditation practice, uh, having a consistent mindfulness meditation practice. Uh, thank you to all of the teachers and the lineage of this priceless tradition, ancient human tradition, for providing me the sanity when I was feeling so um, vulnerable, so fragile, and completely uncertain of which way this was gonna drop. So the short answer is that the biopsy results came back negative on both accounts. I still have to go in for another MRI-guided biopsy at the beginning of April, but thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the love, all the support. Um, I feel so seen by this audience and it means a great deal to me that in a time where we're so separated from each other that I feel very bolstered by this community. And wanted to give you that update. Um, so thank you for holding space for me, for sending good thoughts, uh, and pizza money. <laughs> anyway, um, so the the day I went in for the biopsy procedure, it was uh, Sun and Neptune. So I've been thinking a lot, a lot, a lot about the power of Neptune and Pisces, and I think that it's worth returning to the report I posted on Saturday for those who didn't get a chance to read it. Um, this is just a little shorty, but it's. To me, I had a breakthrough in my understanding of Neptune. So Common Astrology speaks passionately about the Piscean ability to adapt, to be creative, to enter dream states and cloud-gazing, shape-shifting gifts. And Pisces is able to melt into its surroundings because of this gift. But from where does this gift originate? A Source all that is, the divine creative energy that flows through all things everywhere. Source energy is always present. We are swimming in it, we are breathing it, we are expressing it, we are wearing it, and we are being it, whether we care to recognize this truth, or if we just go about our business wondering why we feel so disconnected from everything. It's hard to see that we are everything because we just are gazing out of our experience as an individual or a perception that we are an individual. Neptune and Pisces qualities are nearly synonymous. Um, this peak of Pisces season is really showing us reasons to hope. Hope usually comes from places of despair. Despair. I don't know why that's part of the human experience other than, you know, when you're cold and you're soaking wet and you're uncomfortable and you have discomfort, we have to kind of look beyond that. That was my experience last week. I, you know, I'm bruised. I have a bunch of holes. I couldn't lift my left arm for a while that day. Um, I was swollen. It was really uncomfortable, but I... I had to step into trust that whatever experience was going to arise for me whether that was a benign test result or a cancerous test result that I could meet that opportunity with grace. And I don't mean to insert myself in the conversation but I think as, you know, an astrologer <laughs> that's that's my lens that I'm working with. So discomfort brings us to a sense of presence because we're sort of pulled into our feeling body. You know, if we're, if we're feeling good and free and everything's just fine and dandy, we're not really tapped into our experience in a way. That's, that's a weird conundrum, right? But within this presence comes potential. So Pisces is not truthfully about checking out, but really about checking in. Pisces is so often associated with escapism and daydreaming and substance problems. Both Neptune and Pisces uh, in certain placements, um, I know that this was taught to me and that I found it to be true with almost all my readings, you know, based on the consciousness of the individual, you know, where, where do we want to check out? But how does Pisces pull itself back in to really check into the vibes and the surroundings and the, the energy and the frequency of the present moment? Neptune as a planet embodies this final checkpoint at the edge of our awareness. It's way out there at the edge of our galaxy. So it is a checkpoint until we have to you know, meet Pluto, the death, birth, power, transformation of our experience. But Neptune asks us to drop what we've been carrying and asks us to stop identifying with our stuff and start identifying with our soul. What substance do we carry that has no weight? It's love. Love is our refuge. So Neptune and Pisces in my mind are magicians and by creating illusions by mystifying and confusing us into believing what things are not we actually have the opportunity to see what is. Taking a little mini bow off of my soapbox that is me sharing my big perceptions from this week especially with working with Neptune as much as I did. The book I carried around with me the day um that I was in the hospital and uh, beyond that was a Neptune book uh, written by one of um, Jeffrey Wolf Green's students and this this was the idea of like the 12th house Pisces and Neptune all being about abandoning hope so that we can meet reality where it is so we can meet reality as it is and accept things as they are rather than as we project on them to be that's a really really powerful energy and I hope that you can take some of that we will plant that seed there for you see where it blossoms So my guest today is Sonia Ash, who works at the Young Women's Resource Center. Uh, Her working there is not her identity. Uh, You know, astrologically, she's a Pisces moon. Oops, I'm a Pisces moon. I just identify with Sonia that much. She's a Pisces sun, moon in Aries, Libra rising. And I have been friends with Sonia, met Sonia, I think in 2008, and... Have been smitten ever since, and she delighted and surprised me over and over again in our early—I don't know what do you call it—courtship, I'd suppose, as friends. You know, it, it, it's really interesting when friendships pour over into like true friendships when you have a bond that is unbreakable, when you're able to lean into somebody, when you are so fragile and. I am very touched that I had this opportunity to, to, to share Sonia with you, <laughs> for one thing, um, but also just to pick her mind about, you know, her experience as a Pisces and a lot about her moon in Aries, her bravery and her, her sense of self and her sense of daring and her Libra rising about, you know, communing and harmonizing and being with people. She is a very, very, very special soul and is so fierce and so brave and has been through so much she shares her story about you know boundaries being problematic for her as a youth and we talk explicitly about consent and the lack of consent that exists in our culture and through practicing micro consent rather than just preparing for the bedroom so to speak like which is where our culture sort of uh waits for consent to come around. Otherwise, it's implied. Has that been your experience? It's certainly been mine, that it's a yes until it's a no. Why haven't we switched that to it's a no until someone says yes? I think boundary work is a really important topic to focus on, uh, especially this time of year. Pisces, watery, boundaries, feeling everything, empaths, Um, How we can move from empathic gifts into intuitive gifts by learning to discern what is ours and what belongs to another person. And until we get there, we practice consent. We practice knowing what we want, or at least telling people that we don't know what we want, and therefore it's a no until it becomes a yes. So Sonia Ash sharing her experience, strength and hope here on the Inspired Astrology Podcast. Kin is a modern mystical shop located in the heart of Des Moines, Iowa's East Village. Femme-centric at its core, Kin is a woman-owned and operated business. The shop is filled with specialty products from women-owned businesses across the country. Candles, body care, the shop's Venusian energy comes in as soon as you step into the door, whether it's online or in person. Ethically sourced crystals, Palo Santo and Sage are just some of the highlights, along with an exquisite collection of vintage jewelry. Shop online at KINDSM.com and let them know that Lauren sent you. Sonia! Hello! Hello! (laughs) So Sonia Ash, Pisces Sun, Libra Rising, Aries Moon, you are the, you are my mirror! You are my mirror! (laughs) The insides to my outside. I love that. Catch me up a little bit. Like, how's pandemic world treating you? I know climate change has impacted your housing security at the moment, but you seem to be doing okay with your twins and your partner. What's happening? I have laughed a bit with my partner
0: some this year that since having the boys who will be turning three, um, both will be turning three on May 1st this year, uh, that we had already withdrawn so much from social life, like going to restroom, restaurants had already become uh, such a rare occurrence after these like early parenting years that uh, the pandemic like didn't shake up our, our norm all that much. So I feel like uh, we had, we're thriving as little, our little like family um, introverts <laughs> at home and uh, enjoying, Warmer weather, like it's seventy degrees outside right now. We've been oh. trying to get the boys outside as much as possible. You know, the those extremes, thinking that it's seventy degrees right now when it was negative eighteen or like whatever record freezing temperature is just a couple of weeks ago. That's Iowa, and yeah, we're dealing with some old home owner issues <laughs> following that freeze, but we're you know still just finding a uh, comfort and patience with each other and enjoying and feeling thankful that we can be going outside with the boys right now. Um, took them to the zoo yesterday.
1: So yeah. <laughs> oh, I know that that climate extreme, I mean, that's, that's massive. I mean, it's like a hundred degree <laughs> swing in temperature. So I'm, I'm hoping that everything gets resolved sooner than later, but I'm glad that you guys are all safe. I can't imagine how having twin boys has changed your life. You know, I mean, I know that parenthood was always sort of part of the plan for for as long as I've known you, and an important part to you and your, you know, and your partner Jeff. You know, but you get you guys have always been such extroverts and like social and and providing a lot of spaces for a party and connection. And I'm sure that you'll glide back into it. Maybe when the boys get into school and um, when we're out of this pandemic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting because when I was younger, I think that a lot of women would relate to this and probably would have felt the same way when I was in my teens or even kind of like the early twenties. I, I honestly didn't actually think of myself as a parent that often. It wasn't until, being with um, my partner Jeff now and like literally the first time that we kissed he asked if I wanted to have kids someday uh, which was like shocking (laughs) like like, like a a very early conversation Um, but it was so important to him Um, fatherhood was something that he valued and saw as a integral part of his purpose in life and so I I grew kind of more into the idea, and I uh, we allowed ourselves to have a lot of adventures, and do a lot of traveling. A set that I wouldn't even begin thinking about having kids until I turned thirty, and I'm really grateful that we gave ourselves that time. And now I'm I'm excited to just be introducing the boys to like the adventures that I had, and I get so much joy out of seeing them uh, experience wonder and exposing them to new places or scenarios that um, you know help, help them light up and occasionally the response isn't what I was hoping for <laughs> but um, but a lot of the times it's really fantastic and I can shift my love of theme parties into birthday theme parties <laughs> for the boys. And, you know, it's just, um, it's just different, but it's still really beautiful. And um, I think raising two boys as a feminist has also forced me to just consider, consider perspectives and consider, you know, things that I view as important in our society in different ways and, and what my role is. And so, yeah, it's a trip. Parenting's a trip.
1: (laughs) I want to talk more about your identity as a feminist because, you know, you Sonia Ash have been the one who sort of guide me into the feminist principle as an adult woman, not even realizing how impacted I'd been by the patriarchy and my own sort of I guess, misogynism that I wasn't totally aware of, you know, cause I always thought of myself as like a feminist, but didn't really know to take myself to those depths until, you know, b- basically you assigned me a project for the young women's resource center where you've worked for many years now. I-, I mean, I'd love to talk about how you arrived at that, that feminist identity, why it's important to you and, and maybe talk more about raising boys with that, with that kind of uh ethic I suppose.
0: Yeah it's interesting how uh, ideas and perspectives of the world around us change and grow. I think that I was always someone who was seeking female figures like to be inspired by. My parents would provide me books or tell stories about um, historical female figures who were powerful and I think early on my perspective of what feminism was, was, was more just about kind of feeling, feeling powerful, like feeling like I um, had open kind of like ceilings, like opportunities of things that I could achieve. Um, Very much centered on um, myself and what I could accomplish. And then I think it grew a little bit more into just kind of like feeling angry <laughs> about different situations where as I grew up and saw that that wasn't always the case, like that uh, my, like either myself or other women were were boxed into identities or roles that we didn't actually see in ourselves <laughs> or, or didn't fit with who we were. And then it was in high school when, I started to experience more like some of the dark sides of what it means to be a girl or a woman in our society. So experiencing like an abusive relationship or experiencing, you know, assault. And I think first, just that like anger of like, why, like why do we live in a world where um, that is so common? Um, why that's something that we experience as women so regu- regularly and then still somehow are surrounded by a society where we're the ones that feel ashamed or victimized and like we have to carry the responsibility of those injustices and it was there's a group I took um I took a class a woman's studies class with Vicki Goldsmith that I think really helped me focus what was at first just being kind of like really angry (laughs) into a sense of a purpose and having some agency to change the way that things were and or even just like how I was feeling about myself and my own experiences. So that class was really pivotal. Then joining a group called Femcore and doing volunteer work at the Young Women's Resource Center. There's a movie that just came out on Netflix called Moxie that I I encourage you to watch because I feel like it's just my, um, uh, maybe like an idealized version of my high school, uh, like experience working with this feminist club and feeling supported by other, other women at that time. So I don't, that that's kind of like what how how I grew into it. But as I've gotten older, and especially having boys, I think it increasingly recognizing that it's not. I think of how to say this. We put so much pressure on kind of like individual moments, and and we talk about power dynamics, but we're not doing enough to do these kind of like big major cultural shifts and cultural norms starting at very early ages that I think are necessary to make actual changes in how we interact with one another as human beings, regardless of our gender. And I've talked with you a little bit about this before, but meditating on, what it means to raise boys and raise kind of like little feminist boys and placing this like huge emphasis on ideas of consent. I've been thinking about it a lot, just kind of even going into this interview, how like so when we when we talk about consent, I think the first thing that often comes to mind is sexual consent or like lack of consent, which is rape. I think that like, how do we back it out? Like, like we place so much pressure on these like big moments. Like how can you expect that anyone is actually going to actively ask for consent or expect that their answer is going to be respected when we like absolutely do not have a culture of consent that extends outside of the bedroom it feels like our um, default setting is to assume consent. So you think of like the um, auto-enrollment when when you give somebody your email, like you have to actively unsubscribe (laughs) to stop getting them. Similarly, in most of our kind of like mundane activities, unless you like firmly and actively say no, the assumption is always yes. If we don't practice like shifting that mentality like like assuming that the answer could very easily be no (laughs) and actually actively asking in a variety of the kind of like simple situations throughout our lives then when those really stressful moments come up like how can we be expected to to make the right decisions or perform in in ways that we would like to be
1: able to I feel like what you just described in our society about like, it's a yes until someone says no. We're often told
0: what we want uh, or, or like told what we should want, whether that's through like media or messages that we're getting either actively or passively from just authority figures or society. And so many of us feel the, compulsion to mold ourselves or like mold our desires to what we're supposed to want. And I think that's like also like part of this like con- consensus culture, this idea that th- this belief that what we actually want does not matter, that like bodily autonomy does not actually exist. Like we've been, you know, forced to kiss the, the gross uncle or take our assigned seats or throughout our lives we haven't been able to just choose and do what we want like like how many little boys were like allowed to just wear a dress if they wanted to that that choice wasn't an option and so as you come up into adulthood and suddenly we're we're told that we we should be able to like exert or like communicate what it is that we want when we've been told our whole lives um, that that doesn't matter. I think it's, it's hard to like do that big 180 and switch and, and fully believe that both actually like exploring what our needs are is something that we can do. And then in turn that when we communicate those needs, that they'll be respected or listened to, like that anyone will care
1: it's it's a it's a total mixed message. Yeah. Um so when you're when you're teaching your young sons like you said they're almost 3 years old about consent, I mean I I know some of those stories about like touch and would you like this and would you like that. So it's not just about preference, it's about like you letting you know letting them know where your boundary is and vice versa.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's there's a a great article that I, I was reading that listed out a few examples that I found striking. So one was so we should be getting input from our friends before planning group activities like so or, or like family members. So instead of just deciding what we're gonna do and then ignoring whether or not somebody will actually feel comfortable and or enjoy that situation, like like that's a form of asking for consent. Making sure that we're not revealing personal information to anyone without their permission. So, actually asking someone's consent before sharing anything about them or like who they are, um, attaining consent before like taking a photograph, like photographing others. How many times do you have somebody, even just like when a friend within a friend group who will just like snap a photo at your most awkward moment? And, like, you really wish that they would have either just asked if they could have taken a photo or at the very least asked before they posted it to Facebook. You know, like that kind of basic forms of asking consent or, you know, not forcing somebody to have a conversation that they're not, like, willing or ready to have at that moment. Or then, like, the more directly related that, like, obtaining consent before non-sexual forms of touch like it's like I always ask the boys if I can give them a hug or a kiss or if uh we're around others and they like come up and try and like climb on somebody's lap I'll like make a comment on like like oh like like did you ask like (laughs) Lauren if you could like sit on her her lap Like, like encouraging them to make that question as well but like all of these different like interactions like we don't actually practice asking regularly in our lives and I think the more that we can make it normal to just ask each other when it comes to any situation where we are going to impact another person's emotion emotional or physical state and then Also, like reinforcing the safety in making like expressing wants or needs by like absolutely listening and respecting with whatever the answer is and not throwing a hissy fit if the answer isn't, isn't, doesn't go the direction that you want. That's where you start shifting the culture. And what I also, what I kind of like about that is also that it, it doesn't put so much pressure on this idea that like we just need to be asking boys or men to be better about consent and like we need to be better about teaching girls or women about setting boundaries like it needs to just be everyone like we just all need to be better at respecting one another and recognizing the moments where we are kind of imposing or enforcing our own needs or wants onto another person uh and recognizing that need to step back and see where they're at like make sure they're comfortable like give them space to express what they need and listen to them and if we can set that example like what kind of within our friend groups like like for our children that's where you start to see that's where I think we'll start to see big changes and I don't know that I would have had I don't know that I would have thought about it that way, like when I was a teenager or or kind of like even early in adulthood when like reflecting on any of my own experiences or like it's really been after having the boys and trying to understand like, what can I be doing right now to make sure that they're just like wonderful human beings later on in life? Like that's, it's something that I keep coming back to. And uh, and I wish that we could be doing like practicing consistently as a society.
1: I think societally there there's so many problems with American culture. There is a lot of beautiful things, but the negatives in power dynamics and um, the culture of competition, and that those who are narcissistic and decisive um, win right and. Even what we've described about uh, it's not just it's not just women that are are being imposed with these sort of flimsy boundaries about what they want, what the decision is, what culture tells us that we should want versus shouldn't want I mean of course there's lots of people breaking those walls down, breaking the barriers down I guess what i what I think about is you know how 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 have we moved from victimization, either staying in that mode of like, this is just the way it is. And I've been punished for having a vagina, or I've been punished because I, um, I did stand up for what I want. And, and how do you move that into empowerment? So in, in your story, I mean, I, I know that you, you have been thinking about, you know, your identity as the sun Pisces and how that has affected you especially with boundary work. So do you want to share anything about, you know, your story and how you've learned to sort of surrender, but also (laughs) take the power back?
0: I'm more naturally inclined to kind of like go with the flow (laughs) or just uh, allow, like, just like, I'm pretty inclined to say yes naturally. And just like, like easily absorb, what others want me to do or want me to be. And so it's, I think that that's part of what has led to some like challenging situations in, in my past. And on the flip side of it, it's also op- opened up a lot of opportunities. And so I feel like I've, I've had to balance throughout a lot of my life, this, the positives that can come from like saying yes and trusting somebody and, um, sort of allowing myself to be in a situation that like could, could be dangerous or like could turn out like really wonderfully. And I've had so many situations where it has turned out in just like really amazing ways, like these uh, odd adventures <laughs> that I've had, um, throughout my life. And so like, I, I wouldn't want to give up any of them. So I never want to give up trusting other people. But then, I think the flip side of that that I've learned over time is that like what I need, like does matter and should be considered and, and that should also be respected. So like, so like I say like so society, should be respected. but I also need to take time to reflect on what is most important to me and what my boundaries are so that I can, I can also just be getting the most out of what I need in in life in any given scenario. And, you know, maybe even like those like awesome situations would have been even better if I had been good at communicating my needs in like those moments as well.
1: Well, we adjust our process as we move along and, and learn to trust our instincts and also give ourselves permission to take up space Yeah. And I think that that's what I hear kind of this. um, I hear your Aries moon talking a little bit about like, what I do need does matter. And that you do have this brazen way of like charging into situations. And it's like, yes, you know, and uh, like I've always been taken by your bravery because you you know you do things like skydiving. You're just like I just don't think about it. I just jump, you know. <laughs> and whereas my Pisces moon is like I am not going to do that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you know it's like a security thing. I mean, you've traveled all over the world. You know, you you have parents that are both I'd say scholars. You know, I think of your your dad and your mom both as like educators and scholars and very thoughtful um, academic people. And it gave you a lot of opportunities to travel as a young person. You lived in China when you were just like pre-puberty. And I mean, you lived in India for nine months uh, before you and Jeff got married to do service work. And I'd love to shift the conversation into where your like love of people, where your compassion has actually been placed into an action format and maybe how other young people who are like, I don't know where to, you know, cause your your story might help someone like get out there and do that. Not for profit job <laughs> or sign up for something weird far away after the pandemic is mm-hmm. over. <laughs> Disclosure there. Um. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I have to give a shout out to my parents because I think that they, so I certainly grew up with some, with privilege and with a with parents who could allow kind of like these crazy opportunities to take place like we were in China because my dad was teaching there I went to an Australia trip with people to people when I was in seventh grade uh, largely because like my parents could pay for it right but the lesson for for others because because a lot of times my travels have taken place on, um, a very, very shoestring kind of budget is just as recognize that, um, so opportunities are all over the place, but we, they can never just wait for it to kind of like come across like that, that magical moment for it to just, just come across and land in your lap. It does take some action and, activity on your part. So like before going to India, I found out kind of randomly just that there was a nonprofit that operated in India doing work with providing a community with access to water in addition to a number of other things, but that their founder, that the foundation that funded them was based in our community. And I was just so impressed by that. And I somehow just (laughs) like had the like gumption to call them up and I asked the head of the foundation to go to coffee with me and this was when I was like 24 you know like early in my career I hadn't been out of college for that long and I just told him that I wanted to do something with them and I didn't really know what and over coffee we coordinated this plan for me to go out there with my partner, Jeff, who like, we weren't married at the time and that we would do volunteer work, um, with the nonprofit and that they would provide us housing and a small stipend while we were there, uh, like creating a short documentary. And Jeff was working on a a solar oven, but you know, like the, the opportunity was kind of like always sort of passively there, but it was just taking, taking the moment and like like that act of bravery to just call call that person up and and <laughs> like insert myself into the situation and I think there's not enough to be said for just taking a leap like like it wasn't going to hurt me if he said no it wasn't uh, going to remove any <laughs> uh, anything that I had actively in my life and so there was only benefits to kind of like chasing it down or similarly I think of when I was in college I was so constantly talking with my professors uh, which I think partially comes from being the daughter of a professor it's like anyone who's out there in school if if anyone's listening to this right now who's in school don't be afraid of your professors your professors should just be your best friends because they hear about incredible like scholarship um, or research opportunities or things that are out there all the time, like things come across their desk. And if you were the student who is asking them about those opportunities and expressing interests in doing more, then they will share it with you and they will help you get there. So it was with the help of professors at my school that I got to like go do, like I got some funding to go work in, Costa Rica to help sea turtles, and I went um, to do research in Cambodia on the extraordinary chambers of the Cambodia Court through a grant that I got when I was at school, and able to. I went down to Nicaragua to like do some work with women who were in microcredit institutions following a major hurricane to like help rebuild their community it's like they were all these really fantastic and impactful experiences but none of them would have happened if I hadn't been chasing people down and kind of like really seeking it out and uh and being open to some flexibility that not all of those topics were necessarily my like number one thing that I was interested in but but I wouldn't give up any of them. I'm like really glad that I chased them all down.
1: I like that. I mean, even if it, like you said, it's not, it's, it's not like necessarily your like focus field, but they helped you to get more clear about, you know, where, where you're moving towards. And I know that you've put yourself through a lot of extra education in the last couple of years, even with having the twins to get, you know, move closer towards those goals. And you've been with the young women's resource center for some time and they've They've made some pretty incredible strides in injustice and in intersectional feminism, uh, supporting people identifying as female as well as, you know, cisgender females, period parties that celebrate the feminine mysteries of our weird bodies <laughs> and what drew you to the Young Women's Resource Center after so many years and other like uh, environmental not-for-profits like Perg or?
0: Yeah, it's um, so I did when I was in college. I wound up shifting from kind of the focus on women's rights to a lot of environmental causes that dominated. I think about my first. 10 years professionally working in, in advocacy around um, a lot of issues related to water energy and things like that. Like, unfortunately it was more so uh, like a, another like personal trauma that took place when, when I was kind of like least expecting something like that, like, something, uh, any kind of assault to take place. Again, I I pretty firmly put that experience in my past. Like I I thought about it very much as, you know, things that happen in high school and in college that are awful and should never happen. Um, But I, I think I assumed that I had a lot more control in my life than maybe I did. And so when that came up again, it felt like this sort of like destiny moment when I was in a pretty dark place and I saw that the YWRC was hiring. And I just remembered that it was an organization that had helped me so much when I was a teenager that it it was like, it's this organization is like, come back for me. (laughs) It's like, it's like, come to help me again when I need it. So I applied and was very sort of insistent that it was where I was meant to be and was hired. And it's been an incredible place. I think that it's important when we think about service that we recognize just how much we're getting out of it personally. So I'm so grateful for all of the positive impact that my career can have on helping other young women who are in challenging situations be better Um, but it's absolutely a therapeutic work and practice for myself as well like being here helps me be stronger all the time and so in a way that I think for anyone who is in a dark place helping putting yourself in a position to like whether it's volunteering or just like helping out a friend like whenever you can help someone else that just inevitably builds up your own strength and sense of purpose and um, sense of worth and uh, is just such a, like it's like a positive practice all around. And it's been, is there's one moment in particular a couple of years ago working uh, at the YWRC where I had a participant come um, who is doing a, article for her school newspaper and she was talking about toxic relationships um and these sort of like boundaries to set in like friendships and and romantic relationships and she had been a participant with us for a little while but i asked her you know why she like what brought her to write this article and she wound up sharing a story that like so closely mirrored my own experience from when I was in high school. Like, it could have been written from a script. And uh, that was a moment where I recognized it's like, okay, so like this work, like making programs available that are just absolutely like non judgmental and supportive of girls and women during like these critical transition times and during moments when they're like so vulnerable to different types of like interpersonal violence that uh like being a place that can give them some guidance and support during that time this sort of like full circle moment um because she had also like really received a lot of confidence coming out of programming at the ywc after her own situations and just recognizing that, that like she's absolutely not the only one that um getting to talk with her or thinking on my own experience that there's like hundreds to thousands of others who've come through our doors that have similar experiences. And like that just feels so positive. Um and I'm so grateful to be able to like help ensure that an organization that benefited me so much is available to others when they need it
1: you never realize the impact that you're making because it, it might not that seed might not germinate yeah. for a long time you know the the way that it impacted you and then all of a sudden full circle in a time period in your life where you needed that kind of community that kind of support that it almost regifted itself back to you So I think it's important for anybody who's getting involved with service. Like, yes, you get a lot out of it, but it may not be an immediate, like, thank you card or, you know, astronomical insight, you know, that aha moment that impacts people. Like, we don't always, we don't have access to people's privacy. We don't, we don't get to like, get a a push alert on our phone that says, oh, they got it. They woke up. They, they, they had that moment of clarity. So I'm, I'm just, I'm so pleased to hear of just it continues to benefit you after all this time and that it's it's impacting a lot of young people that really need a safe space where they feel seen and loved and not judged and celebrated all around it's a it's a powerful place to be it's interesting
0: like yesterday was international women's day and uh i i was feeling a little bit um obstinate and that is like oh i like I'm not going to post anything t- today because I want like every day to be <laughs> like, I want I want people to care about women every day. <laughs> so um, I chose not to, to post something about it, but um, it's, it's definitely adjusted <laughs> how I, my expectations for how we should be supporting women or (laughs) supporting girls or or non-binary or like any like genders really just to be just to feel valued and feel respected and feel like they have true opportunity that isn't dependent on a situation they were born into
1: i always think of the impact that you've made on my life because I, I, didn't, I didn't trust women for a long time. Um, I actually joined a sorority in college to try to get over my, my women fears. I don't think that helped, but it certainly had me interact with women more than I probably would have of my own volition. Um, it was really easier for me to be a loner um, because of the distrust I had in females as a kiddo. And I mean, I, I remember the first time I felt like I could be totally vulnerable with you and that was a really powerful experience for me. And when you started to invite me into more audiences with women, you know, to spend more time with like groups of women. And in the last five years, I know how much that's helped me to, to grow as an individual, to trust women and to celebrate women individually doing the work that I do, as most of my clientele are, you know, for mm-hmm. astrology and Reiki, are women. And I, I feel like I could not be where I'm at with the trust process, with the celebration process, the cheerleading. If it, if it weren't for you, Sonia, you've been such a um, tremendous help for me personally in that development. I'm so grateful that you made some time to come chat with me today. You rock! I love you so much. Same, same for all of it,
0: Lauren. <laughs> I just hope that we can. Um, I don't know. I just we can. I hope we can all be good, good to ourselves and good to each other. And uh, I, I am hopeful that we're starting to move more in that direction now than uh, than I've seen us in um, you know recent years. So that's a uh, That's exciting. And, you know, we we make it happen in small ways every day in the ways that we interact with those around us. So always grateful to have people like you and any like moments that reinforce our ability to like trust others with our kind of vulnerable selves.
1: The Kind Oasis brand was created with the belief that premium organic CBD should be affordable and accessible to those who need it most. As someone who has used hemp-derived CBD to support my own wellness, I have to say I really like this product. Their tincture is simple, a full-spectrum CBD and fractionated coconut oil. That's it. They also have potent homemade gummies that are a delight and the CBD is available in capsules or in a topical balm. Go to kindoasis.com and use offer code INSPIREDASTROLOGY to get 20% off your order. And that was Sonia Ash chatting with me today about Pisces season, consent, boundaries, and cultural shifts. Feminism, right? Everybody... Deserves respect. So, um, if you want to look up the Young Women's Resource Center, uh, that is a a place in Des Moines, Iowa that serves outreach for teen identifying girls. Uh, I've taken my niece there. I've done workshops there. I've volunteered there. I've done art there. I've sold art for there. Uh, It's definitely an organization. You can follow them at YWRC Girls on Instagram. Throw them some cash, get involved, volunteer, you know, these are important matters to you about protecting the integrity of our youth and um, helping them to feel seen and loved and celebrated that they can get to know their bodies, they can talk with other uh, girls their own age about some of the, the conflicts that come up being this age. Uh, they do, you know, when we're when the world is normal, we'll get we'll get there. We're gonna get there. Right now, they're doing like outreach packets and workshops and drop-off kits, uh, so that there can be support uh, at home. Primarily, they do a lot of after-school programs with um, with pickup from the school and a little little young women's resource center bus that they they drive around and pick up uh, girls from school and drop them off. Um, I am just uh, really moved by that community and kind of wish I would have gotten involved when I was a teenager, but I was way too cool over that. (laughs) Anyway, um, you can, you can find them at young women's resource center and thank you again for listening to another week of inspired astrology. I am so moved and honored to have you pay attention to anything that comes out of my mouth and from the the mouths of our guests I think that there's some really special conversations happening here it gives me a sense of purpose and I'm so excited to be sharing um, more interviews with you coming up we have Aaron Diaz a yoga teacher Pisces sun I'm going to probably squeeze that in this week just because I feel like why not right a couple of bonus episodes for the seasons for all my Pisces humans out there Um, I, I think I'm going to use Brian Evans, uh, interview for the equinox. You let me know what you think of that, but I, I will still give you an equinox report since it's coming up this weekend. And I hope that you are staying well, that you're staying healthy, that you're being patient, that we know that there is new things to come and warmer days to come. So until next time, stay inspired.